0: All right, this is Brent Leary, and with me today is the co-founder of a really interesting new business, Huckleberry. His name is Parag Javeri. Parag, thank you for joining me today. Um, uh, Thank you for having me, Brent. I really appreciate that. So uh, I'm going to ask you to give me a little bit of your personal background, and then tell us a little bit about Huckleberry. Um, Absolutely. Um,
1: So. My personal background is uh, basically um, I, I have a bachelor's in engineering and master's in engineering, and um, I'm also pursuing my MBA at the moment. Um, and a little bit background about uh, how I, how I got started and um, things like that. You know, I, I spent most of my childhood um, seeing my uh, business-minded mother. Operate a uh, garment, uh, two garment factories of 75 people um, to design, manufacture, and export like um, scarves, uh, chiffons, shorts, shirts. You know, to brands like uh, Marks and Spencer, Calvin Klein, um, and a lot of other major brands all around the world. Um, that that is where basically I, I got uh, you know the inkling. Um, she she did that and had business the traditional way 15 years ago. Um, I'm trying to um, take it um, to the online world um, and and use technology and data. Um, and and that's how I uh, got started with um, Huckleberry um, on trying to solve uh, two major problems. One is um, men like to wear clothes that fit, but can't find them easily that affordable and second is uh, bringing back manufacturing to U.S.
0: Now, one of the interesting things about how you're going about this, and it's kind of the tagline here on your website, we are redefining menswear crowdsourced at wholesale cost. Maybe you can explain how you're going about redefining it and how crowdsourcing plays a role. Absolutely. So the
1: business model that we are using is quite innovative and unique in the sense and, and we're crowdsourcing fashion, and what that means is we're going to be allowing consumers um, to choose what gets made, um, and essentially removing the guesswork of supply and demand um, that typically happens with fashion-oriented brands. So, for example, uh, you know, let's say if you are a, a you know brand that wants to uh, launch a, a shoe company. And and you're a great designer, but you have no idea how many shoes to design of what color. Um, So our platform essentially will help you, um, you know, to launch um, your clothing brand, take pre or your shoe brand, and take pre-orders. And then after the pre-orders are taken, so customers are committing to pay beforehand, um, and then uh, they it'll go into production. Um, and, and get manufactured rather than making them and realizing either you've made too many or too little and either they you know go discounted or you're scrambling um, to make more of those. Rather than that problem, we're trying to solve this whole inventory um, issue of supply and demand um, and, and that's how
0: the crowdsourcing model will work. So tell us a little bit about how you're using Kickstarter to do just that yes yes absolutely
1: absolutely. So right now on Kickstarter, what we are doing is launching our own brand Huckleberry, on their platform um, to launch uh, shirts. We are trying to um, you know have uh, get better fitting shirts um, you know premium quality fabrics, uh, fabrics that are used by brands like Armani, Xenia, and Versace that typically uh, cost $200 and upwards, and sometimes even $500 for a nice uh, you know, dress shirt. What we are trying to do is use the same fabric uh, supplied by the same mills to these brands, uh, but make it in the U.S. unlike these brands and many other brands, uh, world-known brands, um, offer a 365-day guarantee for a quality and workmanship and and offer it at a one-third price than these brands. Uh, So it's much more accessible um, to the average consumer um, than uh, some of these brands would be.
0: And I'm I'm actually looking at your uh, Kickstarter page and uh, the fascinating thing to me is now, most people know Kickstarter from uh, kind of using it as a platform to raise funds for, sometimes it's not-for-profit projects or do things like, you know, causes or movies, but you guys are doing it as a for-profit business, and it's really interesting. You had set a goal to raise $20,000, uh, I guess, in a, a couple of months' time, and you're coming close to the, you know, you've got about 16 days to go, but you've already got 165, and it's called backers on Kickstarter, but really what you're doing is taking pre-orders, and you needed to raise uh, $20,000 in order to really do this, and you're you're very close to getting it done. Um, How has things like Kickstarter changed the way that you view creating a business like this? Um, You
1: know, Kickstarter is a great platform. Um, I think all businesses... Where your businesses are applicable to Kickstarter because they do have certain categories where you can and cannot list your products or ideas um, is a great platform to take it a test drive. Um, and what I mean by test drive is you get to know, um, you know, whether your product or um, your idea is in demand or not. Uh, not only that, um, so not only you get customer validation. Um but um in order to have a successful Kickstarter, you do have to do a lot of marketing and PR either by yourself or if you have the money you hire somebody um and and so that will also uh, help entrepreneurs um you know to know what it takes to launch a product um, you know rather than actually you know going out in the left field launching themselves and and um, you know, learning the mistakes uh, by trial and error, uh, which is n- nothing wrong with learning that way. But this is just a better platform, streamlined um, that helps uh, entrepreneurs to bridge the gap of launching a successful product.
0: You mentioned that really to do this successfully on a platform like Kickstarter, you you really have to be uh, have a really good strategy for marketing and promotion. Uh, some of the things that you've done uh, the video that you put together is really high quality but talk a little bit about the promotional aspects of uh, of a business model like this that's supported by a kickstarter absolutely
1: um you know um, so um, essentially let's say if you were launching your kickstarter um, you know uh, two weeks three weeks out from now so what what one one should do is uh, essentially start marketing about your platform um, is two or three weeks before you're about to launch. And the way to do it is whatever, let's say if you're launching a toy product, uh, figure out all the writers uh, in U.S. or internationally if you're focusing on international market that have written about toy products and possibly Kickstarter. Make an Excel spreadsheet. Um, then the next thing is to do is figure out um, who you know personally. Um, and LinkedIn is a great way to find out if you know anybody personally or you're closely connected. Um, you know seek out to get um, introductions and uh, introductions do take a lot of time, so the older you can, uh, the better off you are uh, because not everyone responds promptly. Um, so once you get that and and then getting your story right, um, that is um, you know the key ingredient in auto for you to be written or your company to be written anywhere. Um, so getting your story pitch right uh, before you even you reach out is really important. Having a, a clear message on well, what you're trying to do, um, how you're trying to solve it, and, and why your solution's is better. Um, and, and, and that pitch, obviously, most entrepreneurs are aware of. And so basically, those are the uh, steps uh, that uh, these are basically for news outlets. Definitely, there are bloggers who may write about high products. Um, so, reaching out to them um, or even giving some samples of your products, if they're not too expensive, early on can also help. Um, and then, doing maybe some YouTube videos um, also can help if your product's applicable to that. Um, so, doing all this in a systematic manner uh, definitely helps. And, uh, and the most important thing you need some feeders initially, um, so making making sure telling your friends and family beforehand what you're up to and, and asking for their uh, you know help to uh, initially feed it uh, because in Kickstarter world if your campaign is not successful in the first few days or if not being well pledged it they you know the community may consider it. it's like a dead-and-water campaign and others are not interested. Um, so it follows a very herd mentality effect um, that um, if a campaign is successful, others follow. If it's not, then
0: others may not follow. And I also see where, you know, you do some partnerships and you tie in, uh, for example, you, have a, a, you give a one-month membership to the Thai Society for a shirt backer. Uh, if you come in at the, at a certain level. So you use partnerships, you use friends and family, you use a, a, a number of different kind of strategies that have to be pretty well thought out before you even lift this thing off the boat, huh? Oh, absolutely. Um, so just, you know, for your
1: listeners and readers, um, you know, Kickstarter, um, it, though it's just one page and it may sound very trivial, to pull it off, or but it is a few months of preparation before you can get anywhere. I would say at least three to six months of preparation, depending upon the, your product. Um, and, and so yes, it, it is a lot of work. It's uh, it's it is equivalent to launching uh, a company or a website um, um,
0: outside of Kickstarter. Right, and then the last piece of this is in addition to wanting a a, a quality product it looks like your backers and, and based on the story that you lay out here you're part of the things that they want is a quality product but also uh, uh, American-made product and you point that out as one of the things that uh, is really important and the part of the process yes absolutely um, you know we, we
1: believe manufacturing in, in US uh, is of high quality uh, in the past few years uh, manufacturing has moved overseas, uh, but we think it's uh, time to bring it back um, to U.S. and we want to play a small role in that. And, and the way we are trying to do is uh, source all our um, you know, materials uh, within U.S. rather than going overseas um, and, and use domestic suppliers uh, that ha- may have been affected by the economy. Um, so uh Products are made out of um, close to near Washington D.C. This particular factory makes clothes for brands like Nordstrom, Saks Fifth Avenue, um, and these are major retailers. Uh, but they had been affected, um, you know, by the economy where uh, they were working five days a week, had around 40, 50 employees, but had to cut back to four days a week and almost half of their employees. So what we want to do is, you know, um, help the community uh, by uh, bringing them back to full working capacity, so five days a week and eventually hire some employees as well. And so the way we are doing it is we are able to sell around 1,000 shirts, then we are able to create an employment for one person. Um, and, and so that's really important for us is bringing back um, manufacturing to U.S. and supporting the community um,
0: at large. And you had set a target for $20,000 on on the Kickstarter uh, campaign that you guys have. You put together a serious strategy that cost or spent a couple of months of preparation. If you weren't able to hit that number, which you guys are, but let's say you weren't able to hit that number, what would that have cost you from a business perspective compared to traditional manufacturing? a um, good
1: question that's uh, so let's say if you weren't able to hit a goal after the campaign was uh, completed um you know um, we, we have invested some money into this, um, so essentially um, it would be a few thousand dollars uh, of our own money. Um, so to break it down for you and give you a little bit more color on uh, what those costs are. So for shooting for a video, it can cost anywhere from 500 to, you know, um, three, four thousand dollars, depending upon who you hire, things like that. Um, you know, taking pictures again, that that has its own cost uh, as well. Um, you know the content and everything we put uh, by ourselves. Then obviously, getting samples made also can cost you a few hundred dollars. So if you and, and then if you, you know, do any PR or use any services for that. So all in all, if you um, count it, um, you know, it can be anywhere from thousand uh, to two or three thousand um, dollars. Obviously, we try to um, keep our uh, costs really low as as well as we can, but uh, this is kind of, um, you know, basic cost that you have to
0: keep in mind. Well, the bottom line is, uh, compared to traditional manufacturing, where you would have spent oh, tens of thousands of dollars to try this idea, you're spending pretty much a, a fraction to see if this idea works, and if it doesn't, you're freed up, you have more uh, resources to try other ideas in this approach. Absolutely. Um, this,
1: this is no doubt. You nailed, nailed it uh, quite well. Uh, this is a fraction of a cost um, and uh, compared to traditional business, which definitely um, is quite uh, labor-intensive as well as resource-intensive.
0: Rob, this has been really interesting. Uh, thanks so much for breaking it down for us. But before I let you go, where can people learn more about Huckleberry and where they can potentially get one of these shirts? Um, good question.
1: Um, you know, so right now we are, um, you know, taking orders um, uh, for, um, you know, um, on Kickstarter, and and um, go to Kickstarter and search Huckleberry. It's spelled as H-U-C-K-L-E-B-U-R-Y. dot com, um, where you can see a video, uh, learn about our story, and can back us. Um, and so we are essentially offering a two hundred dollars short for one third the price that is made in the U.S. And backing it with a 365 days guarantee like nobody like no one else in the industry, which I think uh, your readers and listeners would uh, really appreciate for a high quality shirt.